Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows all the dumb, Every Mr. Dumb Nathaniel thing. Paul Thurston. It is Dumb Bleep of the Mother Trucking Week. Happy Friday, Charlie. We can say that on air. We can say that. Yeah. That's fine. Happy Friday. You're about to drive to Louisiana? Yeah. How's that going to be? It's going to be fun. Yeah? Yeah. Nine hours in a truck. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a great time. Are you going to listen to books with a six-year-old? Mm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. He'll probably have to play some Disney playlists. I got you. Maybe a book when he falls asleep, and yeah, and maybe some podcasts. It'll it'll be a good time. I've been listening to uh, Wealth, Poverty, and Politics. I think the uh, Thomas Sowell book. Just started listening to that one after I listened to Discrimination and Disparities uh, last week. I started Wealth, Poverty, and Politics. It's good. And it starts off, I'm like, I'm not really interested in what he's talking about right now. But it is interesting, the things that determine uh, the way that the world mm-hmm. has uh, been shaped. You talk a lot about geography and stuff and how important that is. Man, it's weird. Anyway, uh, we're Good Morning Liberty, Nate and Chuck. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. Today's Dumb Bleep of the Week. And that the means dumbest we can find. Yeah, these are every some, Friday. Some dumb things for sure. Uh, the live group, the Fed Haters Club, they get to vote on them. You can join that by going to joingml.com. You can even throw in your own submissions, of which we have a few this week. Let's get to number Time one. Time out. Somebody in the group is saying, why no video? What? Is anyone else having that problem? Anyone else? How's everyone doing? I mean, there's definitely video showing up on our Discord right now. How are we doing? Everyone else is good. All right, we're going to keep going. That sounds like a you problem. I'm really sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> Very sorry. Yeah. But we got dumb so to this do. This video occasionally cuts out. Hmm. It hmm. looks good on my... I mean, I have it pulled up. It looks looks like there's video. Well. I reckon anyway. uh, we're going to do dumb bleep number one right now. Ben and Jerry's, we already talked about this earlier in the week. We talked about it on Wednesday They say this 4th of July, it's high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. Learn more and take action now. Benandjerrys.co. It's 46VRYU3 is the uh, website, just in case you want to look at that. Glad you gave that tiny URL. And of course, I I went and looked at the website because we made fun of them. I'm sure they're looking at selling some of their 577 locations. What do you mean selling? not selling. They should be giving it. Yeah, they got to be giving those away. Yeah. Because all of this land was stolen. No, they're 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 specifically uh, mentioning other people's land in here. So they mm. mention some uh, they mention some national parks. Uh, they they mention some sacred land. They mention the land back movement. Uh, re, uh, return Mount Rushmore to the Lakota. Um, none of these things have to do with them. Like okay, if if your family was on this land or you think they were from this land, and hit us up at. Ben and Jerry's 
at gmail.com and it will give you the store because that's what we're very concerned about. You know, it's, uh, it's the other land. It's the other land that people are talking about. This is all number one, okay? Charlie, we talked about this one too. Mm-hmm. Robert Reich III, he says, reminder, many of the same corporations putting out July 4th tweets today also pay nothing in federal income taxes. Mm-hmm. Compelling yeah. and rich. Yeah. He thought about that one for a while. He must have thought really a hard. Dump on the toilet, I'm sure. He must have thought about it. Um, all right, here's the, the, the problem with this is he's trying to make the corporations look bad and say that they don't actually care about July 4th since they don't pay federal income taxes. And of course, if you were to look into the history of the founding of America, Charlie, and the founding fathers and why we declared independence, um, why we separated, taxes might have something to do with it. I think they were listed as one of the one of the grievances. And so acting or multiple grievances. Acting like you're a hypocrite for caring about July 4th when you don't pay taxes is one of the dumber things we'll have from Robert Reich today in this show. Mm-hmm. One of the dumber things. We'll see yep. what else we got. All right, we talked about that one on Wednesday, I think, and there's a video going around. Oh, Joy Reid, she's just so great. We'll play a quick clip from Joy and how she didn't go out on July 4th because it's just too dangerous out there. Just too dangerous because of all these gun-owning crazy people. Let me mm-hmm. check and make sure I got the sound turned properly on. It looks as if I do not. All right, now we have a Caroline Light, who literally wrote the book on these laws, writes for the Tampa Bay Times that Florida has become the stand your ground hellscape in which lethal violence can be shoehorned into a tidy narrative of armed good guys deflecting a multitude of suspicious bad guys. Never mind that those presumed bad guys often turn out to be pool cleaners, ride sharing customers, furniture delivery people, and sometimes neighbors. Joining me now is Ryan Buss, a former executive in the firearms industry. He's now a senior advisor to the Giffords Gun Violence Prevention Group and author of Gunfight, My Battle Against the Industry That Radicalized America. Ryan, I'm so glad that you were available to talk with us today. Um, I have to say, I did not go out on July 4th and would not. The idea of going to a mass gathering, a parade or a big fireworks thing outside seems insane to me, to be blunt, in America, because America is awash with guns, and now people don't just have them, they seem to want to shoot people with them and use them for whatever, you know? What do you think has changed in this country? Um, which is Okay, a couple things. First of all, this guy saw an opportunity. He did. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, Lou, I used to be an executive, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. I can write a book, and people will have me on for my credentials. That's so great. What a great retirement yeah. plan. Mm-hmm. You know, Genius. I love it. Now, she, first off, is scared, as someone pointed out uh, in the live group. That's a great screenshot, a councilman, yep, I believe. Good pause. That's a good one right there. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely afraid of all of the legal gun owners. Those are the ones who are committing all of the uh, crazy crimes mm-hmm. out there that she's afraid of. And she's so scared. This is how seriously you should take her, Charlie. She is so scared that she will not go out to a public mass gathering In fact, the idea of going to a mass gathering in America is insane because I don't know if you saw the news, but basically every one of those mass gatherings got shot up by people on the 4th of July. By law-abiding citizens. By by people, (laughs) exactly the same. And they had to do with Florida's stand-your-ground laws, I guess. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. They, They stood their ground and mass murdered 
everyone that was at the 4th of July celebration. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. Thank yep. you. Very, very serious journalisming from over there at MSNBC as usual. Okay, so those are the 4th of July uh, tweets for Dumbleep number one. Number two, this is a weird one because I remember watching the news about this whole Russia-Ukraine war. You know, this uh, Russia, they attacked Ukraine. They're in mm. there um, doing bad things yep. and everything. Yep. Well, I heard from way back in the day when this first started that one of the terrible things that was making them war criminals was that they were using what are called cluster bombs or cluster munitions. So these are known to have a lot of civilian casualties, all right? One of the reasons is that they're, they tend to have a lot of duds out there, meaning they don't go off. And one reason you don't want that is because eventually someone could walk up on it. And it could go off. And it could go off. And so there are legal limits. I've always thought that was weird. Mm -hmm. Like to have legal frameworks for war. I've always thought that the, that's pretty strange. These are weird ideas. War crimes is a weird thing to me. It seems like the entire thing would be a crime to me, but we set there's a different justice system, I guess. As, for, long, as long as you for, fight with honor for warring. Yeah. You know, um, but anyway, the uh, U.S. It looks like they're going to be giving cluster bombs to Ukraine so they can use them against Russia uh, in Ukraine. Just not going to be great for Ukrainian citizens. It was bad when Russia was using them. Um, Okay for Ukraine to use them. And also, it's totally illegal for us to give them to Ukraine for them to use. And we're going to do it. I'm telling you what. The, Zelensky has got Biden's old, crusty balls <laughs> in a vice. He's got all the tapes, and he's got all the receipts. I'm just telling you. He can do whatever he wants. It's the only thing that explains the money and just the blatant breaking of rules all the time. Uh Charles, there's a few things President here. Biden has approved the provision of U.S. cluster munitions uh, for Ukraine with drawdown of the weapons from Defense Department stocks due to be announced Friday. The move, which will bypass U.S. law prohibiting the production, use, or transfer of cluster munitions with a failure rate of more than 1%, comes amid concerns about Kyiv's lagging counteroffense against entrenched Russian troops. And just bypass them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the... So they tell you what the artillery shell is. That's not important. But starting right here, it tells you about the numbers a little bit. In its last publicly available estimate more than 20 years ago, the Pentagon assessed that artillery shell to have a dud rate of 6%, meaning that at least four of each of the 72 submunitions each shell carries would remain unexploded across an area of approximately 22,500 square meters, roughly the size of four and a half football fields. We are aware of reports from several decades ago that indicate certain 155mm DPICMs have higher dud rates, said a defense official. Um, anyway, let's get the to the next. defense official used the acronym for dual whatever. Yeah, the next part is important because they've got new assessments saying that the dud rate is lower now. They found... On these old... They found... On these old munitions that they haven't made a long time, but they found some new tests mm -hmm. that say the dud rate's lower, although it still exceeds the limit. The Pentagon now says it has new assessments based on testing as recent as 2020 with failure rates no higher than 2.35%. Well, that exceeds the limit of 1% mandated by Congress every year since 2017. Officials are carefully selecting munitions with a 2.35% dud rate or below for transfer to Ukraine, said Brigadier General Patrick Ryder. 
Uh, let's uh. see. Uh, the next thing, there's a couple important parts like this paragraph right here. There is no waiver provision in the 1% limit Congress has placed on clustering munition dud rates written into Defense Department appropriations for the last seven years. Biden would bypass it in Congress, according to a White House official, drawing down the munitions from existing defense stocks under a rarely used provision of the Foreign Assistance Act, which allows the president to provide aid regardless of appropriations or arms export restrictions, as long as he determines that it is in the vital U.S. national security interest. It's, he just has to say. He just has to say. It's vital to he, U.S. national security interest. He can bypass everything as mm -hmm. long as giving these to Ukraine is vital to our national security. Which, of course, it is. Very much yeah. so. Because... I think, it's, I think it's vital to Biden's security interests. Which would, if Biden falls, we all fall. Okay, and we've all fallen a bunch of times upstairs. <laughs> yeah, you know, or off bicycles. Yeah, um, one quote here from someone who they say more than 120 countries have uh, joined the convention banning their use as inhumane and indiscriminate. Like I said, when the war first started, there were like these reports that Russia was maybe using these cluster munitions. It was a big deal. People were talking about it and war crimes and breaking rules and all that. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to give it to Ukraine. That's fine. We're going to do what, the same thing. What? You hate democracy? Mm -hmm. Fascist? Yep. Come on. we got to save the Nazis. Uh, this person says it's dismaying to see the long-established 1% unexploded ordinance standard for the cluster munitions roll back, as this will result in more duds, which means even greater threat to civilians, including D-miners. <laughs> the lack of transparency on how this number was reached is disappointing and seems unprecedented. They can't, they can't release it. It's, this, yeah, you have to have a security well, look, clearance. There's a test right here. We just found it. It's, it's, got, a lower, it's got a lower number now, all of a sudden, because they need it. Okay, that's dumb bleep number two. Uh, just more Ukraine, Russia stuff going on. Okay. All right, dumb bleep number three. Now this one, I guess I'll tell you with this. This David, I don't know how to say his name. Leave it? Leave it? Yeah. Leave it? Le Leave, Leave it? it? Leave I don't know. He's a journalist, right? Wing, hater, ultra, MAGA are the death of everyone, you know, type journalist. Mm -hmm. Left wing, nut job kind of guy. Um, he was involved in one of those defiant L's type posts, like here's a hypocrite type post. Okay. So from back in 2021, he had posted enough is enough, make vaccines mandatory. And in the 2022, he posted the only person who should have control over your personal medical decisions is you, not politicians, you. Okay, that's hypocritical. I'm just saying. Now, not even a year later. No, it's only eight months. This started going around a lot over the weekend, I believe, or earlier this week. And he engaged in the debate over what he was talking about. The more and more he engaged uh, in the debate, the more fighting there was. And in, unfortunately, can we say this word on the show? Not on, not on air. Not on, I don't think. Not on Tuesdays. Mm -mm. Could say the C word. It's the C word. You know what a C word that's like one of those worst words, mm -hmm. like the worst word. Or if you said Mike Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you know what we're talking Hunt. about. Well, yeah. we could pull clips from the, different days as the H. issue. Uh, but uh, cunt. Cunt is the word that we're talking about or see, right now. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, that, that works too. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> nice. I like it. Okay, anyway. Uh, some of the some of the uh, anger led to someone calling him the c word, cunt. 
That's what it was. Mm -hmm. And he got upset. He filed. He filed a, a petition with the Twitter gods. Thanks, Costco. To ask and say, uh, here's the message. It says, David, leave it. Quote, you're a cunt. We get it. No need to advertise as such every day. So he reported this to Twitter. Here's the case reference number. And unfortunately uh, for him, after Twitter reviewed the information, they determined that there were no violations of Twitter rules in the content he reported. And so this very serious award-winning journalist, by the way, for I believe it was Axios and CNN and all these different places, uh, tags Elon Musk and says, apparently it's okay to call people a cunt on Twitter. Elon Musk, you want everyone calling you a cunt? Please fix this. As if they don't. <laughs> and so, well, and so the implication here is that what you, you're going to ban calling people bad words on Twitter. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> Somebody in the live group said, what a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's not really it, though, because, of course, there is a record, there is a history, and there is a tweet history, like when David Leavitt said this, Charlie. He said, do not concede is trending because of the, of the worthless fucking cunt Carrie Lake. You lost, bitch. Stop having your followers accuse Katie Hobbs of being a cheater. Retweet if today's a good Tuesday for her to concede and go fuck herself with a pineapple. <laughs> Jesus! This is a person who was complaining that someone called him a bad name on Twitter yeah. By the and way, that I they're not going to get in trouble. I didn't say any of that. No, that was, it was quoting. That was David. I was quoting. Was, you were yeah. quote-tweeting him. Sorry, Mom. Just then. That's what that's what he said. Yeah. I, right? Those words would never come out of my mouth. <laughs> and so in his, you know, um, <laughs> like uh, I think it was Councilman just said, the open hypocrisy. How, how can people be so dumb? Well, see, in his mind... He's right about this. Mm -hmm. And when someone called him the C word, I would never say that. When someone called him the C word, they were wrong. They were wrong about yeah. that because what he was talking about, he was correct. And, and of course, this time he's defending democracy. Mm. And so uh, there's no rules. It, he was being generous when he was talking right then. <laughs> Did he respond <clears throat> to this? I don't know if he has or not. <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> I haven't looked. Oh, <laughs> okay, God. so that's number three. Do what I say and not what I do. Let's just, number four here, back to Robert Reich. He's talking about the wealth tax. And the post here says, the world's 500 richest people have added $852 billion to their fortunes so far this year. Don't tell me that they can't afford the wealth tax. Okay, and he says that's $14 million each day for the first half. It's not radical. Don't tell me they can't afford the wealth tax when they've made this much money. He's made this argument before. Remember right now, it's that they've added $852 billion in 2023. Of course, I don't know if you remember, Charlie, but the market in 2022 is very different. Was down. The other direction. And so what they've added right now, they're still below what they were even at last year. It's an important thing to remember. But he doesn't care because earlier he was tweeting that if Elon Musk can afford to lose $200 billion in a single year, he can afford a wealth tax. How? That was at the end of 20... Well, what he's saying is if you have that much money to lose, then you've got enough money to pay a tax. In the last tweet, he said, if you, if you made that much money, then you can afford a wealth tax. If you lost this much money, you can afford a wealth tax. And then he also, in the uh, beginning of 2023 
mentions that billionaires lost $1.9 trillion in 2022. He just said that they gained $852 billion so far in 2023. And he said they lost $1.9 trillion in 2022. Yeah, so they're still down a trillion. Still down over a trillion dollars yeah. right now. Yeah. Elon Musk lost $115 billion. I don't know where the discrepancy is in those numbers. Bezos lost $80 billion. Zuckerberg lost $80 billion. Say it with me. They can afford a wealth tax. But my thing is, if you would have taxed that money, then they would have lost more. <laughs> it's not even possible. Right. You're talking about money that is pure paper, stock value. And if... Well. It's just numbers in a computer. I know. Actually, not it's not even paper. paper. No. Yeah, that's too know. real. I know. <laughs> it's, it's faker than that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's almost like France's businesses. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, uh, you'd have to listen to the end of yesterday's episode to uh, get that reference. Um, yeah, the wealth tax is not even possible in the first place, especially when you're dealing with people who eighty to ninety percent of their wealth is in stock because they have to sell the stock to pay the tax. Here's the deal. If we have a wealth tax and everyone knows that all of those people are going to sell their stocks at the end of the year to get money to pay their taxes, what's going to happen to the market? They would lose more money. It's going to go down. Meaning, actually, the wealth tax number will change because the number that is taxable will shrink. And so the number they need will actually go down when that happens. And for them to be able to sell this, and everyone knows they're about to hit the sell button because they have to. Well, it would just, it would sell off pretty hard. And then you're not even talking about people whose assets are actually land. What do you do about that? Can't, it's like, oh, I'm going to sell a few, few acres every mm -hmm. single year to the government or to someone so I can pay the government and eventually I've just got nothing. Then the only ones who eat are the bears. Yeah. On the, and the government. On the, on the flip side of that... It's not even moral to do it anyway, because it's their wealth. They earned it. These are people who the market, people that are investing their retirements are freely giving their money to these individuals because they think that they will gain more money in the long haul by letting these people allocate their money. And so it helps me. It helps Charlie. It helps your parents. It helps everyone else. And so, yeah, you can look at what their portion represents, how much money that is. But that's just a really childish, selfish, uh, it's a really terrible way of looking at this. It is a uh, envious way of looking at this because it doesn't describe the actual benefit that we all get from the wealth. Secondly, this is their property and it's not right to take it. Mm -hmm. right, there's your also moral argument. And then it's, third, like what if they go down to zero? Then what are you going to do? <clears throat> like a... Because it's not like... Just print money, I guess. It's not like you, okay, you tax the money and you get it now, but what about next year? And what about the year after that? What about the year after that? You just think that it's just going to keep flowing. You mm -hmm. know? The, the, the never-ending well is just going to keep bubbling up. You know, you can just keep siphon, siphoning off of it. Yeah. Well, you sound like a racist MAGA of supporter course. right now. I'm sure. That's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. That's me. Charlie, did you have an interaction with a DoorDash driver one time? I Is did. Is that right? How did that go? Mm. What happened? Um, it didn't go well. Did he get mad at you about a tip or something? Sure did. Yes. Did you at least leave a bad review or something like that? I think I reported him, yeah, because I was, I was pretty frustrated. It's too bad you didn't have your doorbell I didn't, camera on I didn't at that at time. The time. Um, I wanted to talk about this earlier in the week. It's a ridiculous story, but to me, it's we've been talking a lot about how victimhood and entitlement are 
what's actually destroying uh, the country, this entitlement mentality. And, and people are becoming entitled to, to tips. And they especially feel like they're entitled to things from people who have more than they do because they're envious. And this tipping thing was a really great example of that because the guy says, you've got a nice house and you only gave me a $5 tip. As if it were someone in a lesser house, then his service was only worth $5. But if it's someone in a nicer house, his service was worth way more than that. That's mm -hmm. not how that works at all. They didn't charge him more for the pizza because the person had a different house <laughs> than someone else who lived in the trailer park. Pizza costs the same. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll watch the video. It's a little bit too infuriating for for me. So I actually... Can I tell a personal story afterwards? I was trying to get you to tell the personal oh, story. You want me to tell it before the video? Yeah. Well, people, or we can tell it afterwards. We'll play oh, yeah, the video. People don't know what this is yeah, about. Yeah, I, I was trying to, to to get you to talk about it. Hi. Hello. Come here, Max. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I just want to say it's a nice house for a $5 tip. You're welcome. Fuck you. A little similar, except I I went, I clapped back. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, look, I, uh, I tip $10. I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but I realize that my house is not close and i used to be in the service industry okay so i understand what it's like to work for tips and so i'm i approach things a little bit differently and then you and i were hanging out ordered a pizza cost 20 bucks and i left him 10 dollars, which is a 50 percent tip by the way you left 10 dollars? yeah 10 dollars. <laughs> and of course i watched the guy on the app take the like the back way there's a lot there's a much easier way to my house from the city that <clears throat> and it's about 15 minute drive i get mm -hmm. it you know it kind of sucks but he took like the windy roads to my house and he could have taken the interstate and it would have been much easier. And, uh, anyway, he was nice at first, just like that. And I was like, Oh, thank you. <clears throat> and he's like, basically, by the way, his license plate was like from Pennsylvania. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Oh, you're only going to give me $10 for driving all the way out here. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? And he was like, basically F you mm -hmm. and F that. And so I was like, F me. F you. It's not F me. It's F you, buddy. And a neighbor across the street was in his backyard, like peeked around the corner of his house. It was like, what just happened? And I was like, I have like, what just happened? This guy just went off on me because I gave him extra money. A $10 tip for delivering yeah. 20 bucks worth of pizza. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, he's already making money per hour or per mm. mileage or whatever DoorDash pays you. They don't work just off tips. It was insane. It was insane. Absolutely insane. I can't. But I he's, get, from the, he's from the Northeast, so it makes sense. You okay. know what's, what's weird is this is actually the most frustrated I've been so far during the show. <laughs> really? Because these are just your, it's not, we're talk, not talking about these elites on MSNBC, you know, these people running the world. These are your normal, average, everyday people. And I like to believe that your normal people aren't quite as crazy as what you see all over the place, but... This is a symptom of a bigger problem. This dude didn't have to even get a tip. Like when you decide to deliver things, you decide to deliver it for the price that the company pays you to deliver that item. And it's judged by the, the, uh, the distance and the time that it takes you to deliver the item. And a tip is great if someone wants to give you a tip. That's cool. I did. 
Also, being in the service mm. industry, you can be frustrated about your tip. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, plenty of times in my serving career, I was frustrated, but frustrated by either no tip or a small tip when I felt like I did a really good job. Yeah, especially on okay? Sundays. Especially on Sundays. Yes. The, the crowd that turns over their wine glass. Whoever shows up on Sundays roughly after noon are the worst people to take care of. They are. And if you're one of those people listening, that's your job to try and be better. Be better than that. Be, be actually an example of But Jesus. all the people that I ever worked with know clear and well that working Sunday afternoon is the worst day yeah. because they are the worst people. But what you never do is say F you to the customer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That like that's the difference. See, this is what I explained to my six year old. Like, you know, feelings are valid, but behavior is not. You know, you have to you have to be able to emotionally regulate regulate yourself and not not to be an asshole to a stranger. <laughs> like, maybe they don't know any better. How do you know? Like, it or when I was younger, or I used to you think- could just be appreciative of what you got, and you can still be frustrated and tell your friends like, man, they had a super nice house, and they only gave me five bucks. Like, what the hell? And then your friend can be like, oh, yeah, that sucks. You know, maybe next time. I to, I didn't know about the percentage rule until I started waiting tables. And not even at the first place I waited tables. It was at uh, Red Lobster, I think, was like the first actual restaurant. Red well, okay. Lobster. That's n- that not it. It's close, I thought, though. I thought that was. Red Robin does sound good right now, <laughs> now that you sing that. I don't like Red Robin. You get an egg mm. on my burger, man. I love it. You can put an egg on your own burger. I want a Red Robin egg on my Red Robin <laughs> burger. Okay? Oh. Okay, anyway. I didn't know that there was a percentage rule. I just thought that, I just thought that you tipped based on like how many people were there. So it was like, I literally used, maybe this is embarrassing. It was like, if I was at a cheap place, I was like, well, a dollar a person, that's your tip. <laughs> and if I was a nice place, I'm like, oh, like $5 a person. That's yeah. what you tip. You know, and that was based on like, how nice the place looked. How many? How much you would tip per person that was there? Literally, never thought about looking you do like at the a bill at all. Order per item that they bring to your table. Did <laughs> <laughs> you ever had the person who thank put, you for this fork? Here's a quarter. Did you ever had the person who put the twenty dollar bill out and they said that this is where it's starting and they can either it can go down or oh, it yeah. can go up from here? Mm. Lacey had those people. Like they would put it on the table and they'd say, "This is where it's starting." And it's either going to go down or go up from and here. They order five hundred dollars yeah. worth of food. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, this guy did get fired. By the way, he got kicked off. I guess he was using DoorDash. He got kicked off and he got flagged. Uh, so justice was served. I guess um, it's just it's concerning to me. You've had this experience. Mm-hmm. I I would have never thought about. I was happy anytime I got a tip when I was doing Uber Eats deliveries. It's not. Every time that you get a tip on something, you know, it's like half the time you get a tip on something and then you get mad about a tip. I think what you're saying, the the root, the deeper problem that we're having in America is all this emotional dysregulation. (laughs) Yeah. That's really what it is. It's true. I mean, to like not treat people respectfully because they do something, you know, either to you or, or you perceive it as it's against you or whatever the case may be. Like we... We used to be. We used to grow up with values in America, mm-hmm. something called honor and mm. respect mm. and character, you know, and, and moral culpability. Like you, like you, being a good person mattered. Yeah. And now it's you don't see that as often. There are still good people out there. There are, but you don't see that as often. And you just people just 
They just emotionally vomit all over you. And it's your fault. This guy's walking around being a victim. Okay. He's, he's upset about what the world has done to him. And he sees this person mm -hmm. in a nice house. He hates his job. He hates his life. He hates his wife. He hates his kids. Okay. And he, he just got, he thought that he was entitled to more money from this person who was in this nice house. And that's a really great way to boil down what's going wrong, going wrong in America right mm -hmm. now. Okay. And I agree. I agree, Dan. He's got to go to betterhelp.com slash GMO. <laughs> he does need to. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Folks, it can be tough to know which direction to take in life. For example, you might think doing this podcast was an easy move, but it wasn't. It takes a willingness to work crazy hours, read people's differing opinions, and make... Well, what you might expect a mid-level libertarian podcast to make. What gets me through is knowing I'm being true to myself and my values. So whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Therapy made a huge difference in my life, and co-host Charlie's used BetterHelp four years. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. Just be your best self. All mm. of the things. Okay, number six. That was all number five. Number six, California Reparations Task Force calls for eliminating child support debt for black residents. Number six is actually just going to be only white people are capable of making decisions because there's a few things through here. This is a, the BetterHelp ads over, by the way. This mm -hmm. is a separate section yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the moment. These are our own thoughts. These are our own thoughts, not Nothing theirs. They do don't with... agree with anything necessarily that we have to yeah. say. Except that everyone needs to talk to a mental health professional. They probably, they, they could benefit. You could, yeah, that's right. You know, not guaranteed or anything. Mm. It's just helped me and it helped you. Yes. Better. Help. Yes. California, this is, <laughs> this is 6.1 right now. California Reparations Task Force calls for eliminating child support debt for black residents. Uh, the California Reparations Task Force is asking the Democrat-controlled state legislature to eliminate interest, this is one part, interest on past due child support, as well as any back child support debt for black residents of the state. But where... I know. Where is that money going? Not to mostly black mothers? <laughs> That I, I'm warning you, Charlie, don't try to make sense of this or you're going to go nuts, okay? The group claimed that discriminatory laws have torn African-American families apart and that one effect of that is the harms caused by, quote, the disproportionate amount of African-Americans who are burdened with child support debt. To pay for your child? They had kids and they're burdened with having the responsibility for their own children. Mm. Yes. Nearly the nearly 1100 page document stated that black Californians represent a larger percentage of those who owe child support debt than their proportion of the state's population, which means it must be racist. You know, when you look at proportionally, mm. uh, they also claim the 10% interest the state charges on back child support hinders their ability to finance further education, attend job training, find employment, to maintain housing. 
Well, that's not false, <clears throat> by the way. That's true. Owing child support, having having an obligation to make a payment is going to hinder other things in your life. It will, yes. You know how you stop that? Either one, stop having children, mm-hmm. or two, keep the family together. And you're going to have to, yeah, keep the family together or get a better job. Like, and It's just, who? how is it other people's responsibility? That is the question. The report cited a 2003 California Department of Child Support Services study that estimated 27% of owed child support in the state was unpaid interest and that those who owed child support had lower incomes than the typical California worker. Now, when it comes to the interest side of this, what I wonder is, and I know I know what the answer probably is, does the interest go to, let's say, the father's paying child support to the mother? Does the interest go to the mother, or does the interest go to the state? I think it's probably the state who regulates. Okay. Because in some states, like, child support has to pass through the state, and then the okay. state issues the check. Gotcha. So of course, there's administration costs of to that. Of course, yeah. And, you know, they're not going to pay it. Now, the so. interest part is important. To me, it's important. One, it's, a, it's an incentive to pay it so you don't accrue the interest. And two, the interest would be very important if it went to the mother. For instance, if the mother was owed $500 five years ago, she doesn't need to receive $500 this year. She needs to receive the interest because there has been inflation throughout that time. Mm-hmm. And five hundred dollars today is not worth as much as five hundred dollars five years ago was. Wasn't and even so worth the same yesterday. No. And so the interest <laughs> helps take care of that part, but likely the interest goes to the state. And so the only incentive is to try and incentivize people to pay the child support. And so getting rid of the interest part. Okay, well, you still want to pay for the administration, paying out the checks and stuff like that, if if that is the case. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, we just talked about that part. They talk about the debt. They have two things, the interest, and then they also recommend that some of the debt be forgiven, the child support debt be forgiven. What does that mean? Does that mean the mothers don't get the child support, or does it mean the state doesn't get the child support, but they still pay it out, and so the taxpayers pay the child support, meaning other people. Well, you know, Nate, it takes a village. <laughs> I guess. I guess it requires a village in some villages. It takes a village. Yeah. No, all we're doing is, like all this stuff that you see, we're just abdicating responsibility for people mm-hmm. and the decisions that they make. Like, look, <clears throat> I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I had a child out of wedlock. His mother and I. That is impressive. <laughs> yeah. His mother and I did not get married. Um, and I pay child support. Mm-hmm. I do, among a lot of other things that I pay for. But I don't blame anyone else. It's not anyone else's fault that I'm in this position. Yeah. I made a decision a long time ago that wasn't the, my best choice. Hindsight's twenty twenty. of course. You go back and you're like, yeah. mm, shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah. But then, like, I, now I have this, like, miracle child who's growing up, screaming in the background sometimes when I'm on calls, which is fine, but also who's just like joyous and fun and loving and it's my obligation to take responsibility for the decisions that i made and also just to like be a decent father like mm-hmm. you this is your all responsibility doing, we just keep we just keep allowing people to be victims of the decisions that they make and have no responsibility in it whatsoever like 
It's very obvious that if you do a certain thing that we can't talk about on air, mm. you know, then there's a potential for a life to be conceived. Could happen. Yeah. And then, therefore, you, you're responsible for that mm-hmm. life. And <clears> it's, <throat> it's like, oh, man, I just can't anymore. We s- I'm at the point that I can't. Well, the thing is, you know, what we have to do, and I was wanting to talk to you about this yesterday some, is we can't focus on changing what these people believe. Um, all we can do is talk to people who are willing to listen, who share some of the same beliefs that we do. And all we can do is change how we react to these people and how, and how much we allow them to uh, pull these things over on us and steal from us and keep and keep subsidizing bad decisions and taxing good ones. We can't fix those people. Maybe they can be fixed over time, but all we can do is talk to these people that are listening on the podcast, and we can all decide how we are going to react to and interact with these people uh, and live our lives in the way that's going to set up the right incentive structure, the only incentive structure for those people to have to be better. Or... uh, (laughs) You know what? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can get behind that. Yeah, right? I know. But I was just, that was a test. I think Bailey brought up a good point, <clears throat> and I, like, I might say something that might sting Nate here, but, <clears throat> but I think this is something that Jordan Peterson talked about not that long ago, which is people, it's almost nearly impossible to grow up as, a, as an adult, as a person, until you have children. And that's how important it is. Now, some people can do it, but it's extremely difficult and what Bailey says here is one of the reasons why, and I honestly think it's one of the reasons we see that this rise of like entitlement or, or narcissistic tendencies, whatever you want to talk about. It's because Bailey says here, it's almost like we shouldn't view kids as burdens and just grow up and realize that you are no longer the center of your universe. Mm. And what Jordan Peterson <clears throat> talked about in the video is that until you have something that you care more about than yourself – Right, which is what children do to you. You, it's like that something happens, and as soon as you see them for the first time, you're like, "I would die for that kid." Mm-hmm. You know? Now you can get there without having kids, and some people can't have kids, and they can still grow up and be great adults. But I think a lot of people struggle with not realizing that they're no longer this, like they're the center of their universe, right? Until they have something that they're willing to to grow up for so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw this in my own life, you know? Somebody who abdicated responsibility and didn't grow up until... Never? 100 I mean, hours? Still struggles, but at least after 40, you know, oh, grew up a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know who you were talking about. In my own life. Yeah. Okay, sorry, different narcissist. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. My bad. Um, thought it was going to be a TBD type situation. Well, I mean, there's <laughs> others, but I think, I think that's also... This whole problem around like this entitlement, what we talked about with that DoorDash video, all of this other stuff, like these people mm-hmm. that are that are entitled, are, I think our culture, um, the birth rate is at an all-time low. You have fewer and fewer parents who know, who don't understand what it's like to have the responsibility of something that you care more about than yourself. Well, the problem is even the people who do have those kids, uh, we've told them that it's not their responsibility and they accept that. So they never actually have to 
change the way that people do when they have parents. And so then you just, they become victims of the fact that they are a parent and it becomes everyone else's responsibility to, to take care of this situation that they've been put in by society, you know, probably because of the Supreme court, you know, getting rid of Roe v. Wade or something like that. Yeah. But it's so, also, <clears throat> well, like I said, you can still have kids and then choose to be absent mm -hmm. and then therefore you're still pushing off your responsibility. Yeah. You know, most of the time mothers can't do that. Although some do, right. Yeah. You know, like, especially those that are like addiction. If you just look at the, the stats, like when you have something in life that you're choosing over like what the most important thing should be, right? Like you're abdicating that responsibility. You still haven't grown up. You still have to decide like, okay, I now have something that is worth more to me than my own personal endeavors. And it's not that your personal endeavors aren't important, right? But now on the list, the hierarchy list, there, there's someone that's further up now and that they have to become more important than your own self. And that, that forces you to take responsibility and forces you to grow up and forces you to be a kind person <clears throat> for the most part. Yeah, but in all of this, Charlie, you're forgetting slavery. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> Thomas Sowell talks a lot about this, the decline of the nuclear family and, and the black community. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like the, it's not like we don't have the data. I mean, it's not like we don't have the data to back it up. We'll so. dive into that. Um, yeah, the, definitely all of that is backed up. Um, it's, it's a problem, and you actually go back 100 years ago, the families were more likely to stay intact and <laughs> yeah. doing better than they are right now. Uh, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll go through that. We're still inside of dumb bleep number six. And again, that doesn't always work out for everyone's situation. Like I'm not saying that you should stay in abusive situations, obviously. Like I'm, I don't support that. Mm -hmm. um, but you should do everything you can to, to, to choose that responsibility over your own selfish desires. And that's, that's what creates a better society. That's why, conservatives arguing for the nuclear family is so important. I mean, yep. if you, like the data are in, it's there, it's available. I think um, someone just did a Ted talk recently that talks about the act, the most important person in a child's life based on data is the father. Speaking of. Yes. I'm going to play this video. This is Jin Saki saying that Muslims can't make their own decisions. Of course, it's white people that make those decisions. Let's talk about that real quick. Still in dumb leap number six. Hear me out here. The GOP is trying to recruit Muslim Americans, a community that makes up less than 2% of the U.S. population, against another tiny marginalized group of Americans, transgender people. Okay, we'll go to this, this part here. So what Jin Saki is saying, Charlie, because you had to go... Uh, be a father there for a minute while that was going on. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen, you know, these trans... I should have blamed California. That was, yeah. Was, the fact that my yeah. child's interrupting my podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had these trans conversations. And in fact, in some places around the country, you've seen Muslim Americans join in with the Christian conservative right wing and uh, not agreeing with, um, say, I don't know, bathroom policies and pronoun policies and uh, Pride Month displays and things like that. And so Jen Saki on her new show called Inside Jen Saki, um, <laughs> it's, uh, 
she makes the case that it's actually Is white. Is really what it's called? No, Inside with Jinsaki is oh. the, uh, the name of it. I just always wanted to call it Inside Jinsaki. And so I finally got to do that. So on her show, <laughs> she says that it's actually just these white people uh, that are coercing these Muslim Americans that are using them and coercing them into being against these LGBTQ2S plus issues. I can't. Right now. I can't even focus. And there's just nothing to back that up. Once again, the first one, you know, that basically only white people can make their own decisions. That's what we know. And only white people have agency. When you say that uh, it's white people making Muslims have issues with this uh, trans thing, the culture wars that's been happening... It's just not quite the case. Here's a group of countries where it is illegal in some way for, for people to have consensual same-sex sexual acts, going all the way from up to eight years in prison to death penalty. Okay, now if you look at that group of countries, I want you to focus real hard on where you see those countries mm -hmm. that are lit up right now. Here's a group of the... Islamic countries Looks of the like world. like where all the white people live. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> the predominant white supremacy is what you're seeing. Here's the countries where it is yeah. illegal to be gay. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's another group of countries that happen to be Islamic countries of the world. Oh. But no, it's just... Um, it's just those white people that are making this happen. Yeah. Right now. Okay. How can you, how can you say that seriously? <laughs> because she's a racist. That's yeah. why. And she's an elitist racist who believes that no minorities can think for themselves and that they're all waiting for her Jin Saki wisdom to be implanted into their brains. All right. So the, the last part here, when it comes to the affirmative action ruling, uh, this is someone saying, that she's uh, she's excited. This is a uh, I'm uh, I'm guessing to be an Asian person who's commenting here, saying I told my daughter today's a big day. They've ended affirmative action. Uh, is that what you've been fighting? What what you've been fighting for? She asked. Yes, I said uh, to her daughter. Jamel Hill says I can't wait until she your daughter reads that you gladly carried water for white supremacy. And stab the folks in the back whose people fought diligently for Asian American rights in America. Now, <laughs> this is a case where Asian people were literally getting held out of colleges because they were Asian. And black people were being let in because they were black. And if you're an Asian person who is upset about that, then you're carrying water for white supremacy. For, yeah. Makes sense. There you go. Uh, so there's number six. Uh, that, only white people can think. Number seven. That dog floats. Last one, real quick. The Biden admin says the judge's vague social media order is causing harm. Now, um, remember that order where the judge said that they can't contact these social media companies uh, because they've been violating the First Amendment? Uh, the Biden administration is appealing that ruling because they're saying that that would limit government officials and agencies from uh, commuting, communicating with social media companies on content moderation. Uh, so now they have this court filing uh, that they are going to 
where they are arguing that the ruling has major First Amendment implications, and the DOJ is making the case in this filing that government officials and agencies are prevented from exercising their right to free speech with the order <laughs> because the court is telling them that they cannot coerce these social media companies into censoring speech. That is, in fact, censoring their speech. Their speech. Mm -hmm. just, just so you know where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit more uh, when we, we'll just talk about this social media ruling right quick. Here's an article from the New York Times. Number seven is just going to be the free speech ruling. The New York Times says that this puts social media in, at a crossroads of disinformation and free speech. Um, they say, as it is being overseen by Judge Terry Dotty, who was appointed by President Donald Trump and has previously expressed little skepticism about debunked claims from vaccine skeptics. In a previous case, the judge accepted the claim that COVID-19 vaccines do not prevent transmission of the disease. They don't! <laughs> this is they a debunked... literally don't! This is a debunked claim, Charlie. They're worried about disinformation over there at the New York Times and misinformation. And this judge accepted because he's a crazy conspiracy theorist the idea that they don't prevent transmission another piece here from um, i'm going i'm li i'm going insane from see it's better if you just act like you're looking through the glass of the mental institution that's how i see these people yeah like i don't go insane or like at a zoo i don't go insane watching monkeys throw their poop around like <laughs> like oh that's stupid why would you do that you idiot you're gonna smell yeah. like crap yeah that would drive me nuts if I was like trying to make some kind of moral judgment on them for, for how stupid this was. Just pretend uh, like you're on the you're at the zoo, you know, just watching monkeys operate on the other side. Yeah, but then these people actually have the, the like power to yeah change yeah, parts yeah. of your lives. Yeah, I got it. You know, <laughs> so then it's like, what the hell, man? Well, we just got to get both the right people in office, you know. Um, this article says it's how did, hard. How did George Orwell predict all of this stuff? <laughs> it's just, it's the logical conclusion of these ideas. Mm. It's, it's just, this is what happens. Uh, it's hard to overstate how awful the latest injunction against the Biden administration is. I think this was from Slate. They say the judge issued a, an injunction, injunction in a case that basically turns some elected Republicans fixation on social media censorship into legal reality. How did they do that? They used 155 pages worth of evidence of the government trying to coerce speech and case law backing this up. The impetus behind the case... But of course, Slate, now Slate says. The impetus behind the case is now thoroughly debunked, is the now thoroughly debunked conspiracy theory that the government is somehow strong-arming big tech into censoring conservative speech and speakers in violation of the First Amendment. Very thoroughly... Con Thoroughly debunked. It's literally what theory. they did. <laughs> it's actually what they did. No, it's debunked. <laughs> Who debunked it? No. It's debunked. Jesus. Do you hate democracy? <laughs> yeah, I must. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. let's go through these real quick and get your votes in in the Dumb Bleep voting channel. Number one, 4th of July tweets from uh, Robert Reich, Joy Reid, Ben and Jerry. Let me read one more part from that. Hang on. Oh. So. Uh, Are you in the article? Yeah. Yeah. So it should not obscure the bigger picture of what happened, this injunction. Invoking the First Amendment, a single district court judge effectively issued a prior restraint on large swaths of speech, cutting short an essential dialogue 
between the government and social media companies about online speech and potentially lethal misinformation. So fighting misinformation is more important than the First Amendment, folks. In How fact, can... I can't believe the founders forgot about that when I they know. wrote the amendments. Uh, they should have. Uh, they clearly didn't have time to put it in there that the government could pressure newspapers into uh, posting or not posting, printing or not printing specific things that could go against whatever the government wanted to do at that time. <laughs> of course, later on, we've had plenty of presidents that. Uh, have, also, have violated that. One of the clearly, reasons, another one of the reasons know. we fought the war. <laughs> <sighs> okay, uh, number whatever we were at. Uh, number two is the cluster bombs. Number three is that journalist David Leavitt. Number four, Robert Reich and the wealth tax idea. Number five, getting upset about that twenty five percent tip on DoorDash. Mm-hmm. Number six, the. Uh, Essentially, the idea that only white people can make their own decisions, that's what I'm seeing. Muslims can't, Asians can't, black people can't. Um, the funniest part about that whole thing, though, was Inside Jen Psaki. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have named the show. You know how many viewers that would get? You know? I think somebody in the live group said it sounds like an OnlyFans handle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number seven, this uh, ju- judge's injunction limits the federal government's free speech get your votes in everyone get your I votes can't in. with this group y'all gotta join the group join gml.com or go to godhatesfeds.com pick up a t-shirt or a puzzle or whatever else floats your boat on that website and there's also a link to join the fed haters club so do that runaway winner by the way only white people make their mm-hmm. own decisions yep it's gonna win number six number six um look at number 11 that was that's added. <laughs> if you want to see what number 11 was today then you got to go to joingml.com i'm telling you only six bucks a month share the show with a friend a family member or a foe and then leave us a rating and review and if you do that and i mean all of it we'll be back nate will be back Monday. sometime next week and then we'll be at freedom fest next week so come by say hi if you're in memphis mm-hmm. walking in memphis your feet 10 off 10 feet off the beal I don't know that song. Never heard that by the Rascal Flats? I'm I probably have. Mm. Maybe if you would sing a little bit more of it, I would put on your blue suede shoes and you boarded the train. Huh. It's not ringing a bell right mm. now. All right, well, look it up. Okay. All right, do all those things. Hope you guys have a good day, a good weekend, and a good morning liberty.